Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a football Friday. We got Bucks at Soldier Field in Chicago. We're going to break down that game for you in any way we can uh, imagine. And a full slate of college football games as well. University of Florida and Dan Mullen returning to Mississippi State where he spent about a decade. So that'll be an interesting game. Both teams lost to Kentucky, so uh, we'll see which one is better there. Florida State is at Louisville, actually favored by six points. UCF is hosting Pitt. Your USF Bulls are off, so no USF uh, talk today. But uh, lots of college football and, of course, Bucks Bears. And your mailbag questions on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds wants you to have the best time ever when shopping at Continental. So, for our listeners only, Andy is offering a limited time, 20% off all jewelry prices. That's right. So, whether you seek a statement piece like a gorgeous diamond necklace or maybe you're on the quest to find the perfect engagement ring, Andy is going to give you his individual attention. You're going to come into Continental Wholesale Diamonds today and you're going to score big with 20% off all all jewelry prices. It's where I shop. Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, next to the Penthouse Club. Your mailback questions in just a minute. Got lots of buck stuff, of course, and, uh, well, just across the board, rays, bolts, you name it. But before we do that, big game this Sunday, and they're all big in the NFL because you only get 16 of them, right? But the Bucks coming off a loss on Monday night to the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to bounce back after that 30 to 27 loss and but really after know, this, this after this week you're at the quarter point of the season and there's a big difference between point. 3 and 1 and 2 and 2. Oh, it's enormous, isn't it? I mean, I was thinking about that today. Like if you're 500, you're just meh, you're really nowhere. Uh if you don't know where you're one, at. you don't know where you're at if you're 500. Right. You yeah, exactly. Especially if you've won the first two and lost the next two. Mm-hmm. The one thing you don't want in the NFL is a losing streak, you know. You can lose a game every quarter, and if you do that, I mean, you're going to be 12 and four, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no that that is a tremendous record. I mean, that will win most divisions most years. You get a bye most wins times. Will, yeah, exactly. So you know, obviously, going three and one in the first quarter, I've always said this. I think that games have momentum, and I think seasons have momentum. And just like in a game, you want to start off fast. Well, the Bucks got off to a fast start in the season, going two and zero. Oh. Now they've lost a game. Okay. Nothing, no shame to losing the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're gonna, look, they're going to be in it at the end of the season. We'll be talking about them maybe going deep into the playoffs again. I believe that because that's just what you do with a Hall of Fame quarterback in that organization. So, um, you know, we know how the game went. The Bucks probably should be three and zero right now, but but they didn't win that game. And I think anybody would say two and one with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sign me up. We all said it before that that gauntlet of games. You know, when they appeared on the schedule, and you knew. Jameis Winston wasn't going to be available. Okay, well, now Jameis Winston is available, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is still going to start the game, I believe, and, and unless something changes between you know now and Sunday, which I don't anticipate. So, uh, you know, to go 3-1 and one would be remarkable, and you'd have two road victories on top of that during this stretch. 
Now, it, you know, this is a weird deal is that they've now played, this is, I think, the fifth straight year they played the Bears, who are not in their division. They used to be, of course, back in the old NFC Central days. Um, but they, they have some familiarity with this team. And, uh, and yet, you know, they have a whole new coaching staff, a whole new offense, all of that. Um, but this is the classic matchup, Steve, of, of strength against strength and weakness against mm-hmm. weakness. It is the Bears' defense, which is elite and, and led by Khalil Mack. Thank you, John Gruden. Uh, to the Buccaneers, I'm sure you know that was the you know that that, that was his parting shot, if you will. Uh, and then you have the Bucks offense, which is number one in the NFL. So, you know, top defense, top offense. That that is that is a great matchup. But on the other sides of the ball, you have a Bears offense, which is really struggling. And Mitch Trubisky looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot of football, and he certainly hasn't done it in this system. And so they've been riding their defense, you know, um, at this point. And they're just not scoring many points at all. Uh, so, you know, the Bucks defense, which is beat up in the secondary, especially you've had, you know, Vernon Hargraves go on IR, Chris Conte go on IR. So you might start as many as three rookies back there, which could be, you know, problematic for a lot of teams, including the Bucs. Uh, and then, then you have injuries on the defensive line. We don't know yet, um, you know, if, if Vita Vey is going to be available um, you know, Bo Allen's been out. And so, you know, they've not been great up front. They haven't gotten consistent pressure on any quarterback. And Trubitsky runs. You know, he, he likes to, to run the football. He's a guy that is mobile, can make plays with his feet. Not a great passer, though. Not a guy that's going to threaten you down the field all that much. So it really is an intriguing matchup. And, and I would just say that, you know, my experience, again, this game is on the road. It's going to be a loud stadium, Okay. Unlike you know the last Monday night game where there was some Pittsburgh fans, the offense could still operate you know in relative quiet. Uh, now they did a good job in New Orleans. That was a loud stadium too, mm-hmm. but it got quiet as they as they knifed them you know a little bit. Um, but you know you're going to have that defense with that crowd revved, revved up, and it's going to be hard to hear and hard to function. And they're coming off a game in which they had a ton of mental errors in the protection game. And against a 3-4 defense. Well, the Bears run a 3-4 defense. They've put that on film now, and teams will take advantage of that. So I look, I look for this to be a really, really tough game for the Bucs. Um, none of them are easy. Uh, you know, although they may not have to score 28 points to win, you know, that maybe 24 does it. Uh, but, I, Steve, I still think that, that – uh, and I, I don't know who's favored. I haven't looked at the odds on this The one, Bears but. are favored by three when they're at home. Yeah. So they're basically saying this is a pick em game if it's, it's a, a neutral It's a pick game, yeah. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's – it's it, you know, Mitch Trubisky has a long way to go as a quarterback. He does. And, and he's in a new system, and, and, and they try to protect him as best they can. And when you have an elite defense, that helps too. Right, that Mitch right. Trubisky does not have to try to win games for them generally. Right, and if he doesn't make the big mistake, they're okay. Now, you know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, that monster Khalil Mack, but they also have Akeem Hicks who's a very, very good player. Mm-hmm. you got Danny Trevathan, who uh, I think was player of the week one, one week, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, Leonard Floyd, who's another outside linebacker that they drafted a few years ago. Their secondary is solid. they got Kyle Fuller, Prince Akamura. Um, you've got uh, their safety. Eddie Jackson's having a Pro Bowl year. He was a kid that played at Alabama, broke his leg, and so he was underdrafted. He's been great. They brought in uh, Adrian Amos, uh, Amos to play uh, the other safety spot, who's a veteran. So they're solid. Like, it's not just Khalil Mack, although he certainly elevated the play of everybody. He's sort of this, 
you know, he's, he plays outside. You know, he's an edge rusher, outside linebacker in the three four defense. But guys like that are Warren Sappish in that they elevate every every guy around them. I, I can remember how you know people like uh, you know Marcus Jones got big contracts because they played alongside Warren Sapp. You know what I'm saying? Greg mm-hmm. Spires was a good player against you know with Warren Sapp. Um, you know, so when you have an elite pass rusher like that and you have to devote so many resources and I, I'll be interested to see how they, how they attack this because, you know, DeMar Dotson's a really, really good player. He's in his ninth season. He's not afraid of anybody. He did a good job against Cam Jordan in the opener against the saints, but you still, you know, you're going to have to put a tight end over there at times, OJ Howard or somebody to chip on the running, the running back's going to have to help. And when you devote resources, you know, to a, to, to, to a game record like that, it leaves you vulnerable in other areas. So, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see if they've if they've gotten on top of what the mistakes they had against the Steelers three four, because I'm here to tell you, what what teams are going to do to the Bucks is, you know, play a cover two shell, play zone defense, don't let them go over your heads, and then you know just bring as much pressure as they can, and I think the Bucks this week, Steve, are going to have to run the football. This is the week. I know they come into the league the game, you know, last in the league three yards per carry. If they don't run the football to slow that pass rush, it is going to be a long day for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And I think you know, getting a lead early. Um, yes. You know, yes. I think forcing Mitch Trubisky to play from behind. Oh yeah, is is critical in this game. And we saw, you know, when they went to Green Bay and they got they took out the lead early and they really went into a shell after they got the lead um, and ended mm-hmm. up blowing that game as Aaron Rodgers came back from injury and and played the second half, played lights out. But, you know, I think getting behind to this team when you're having elite defense is going to be a problem that you want to you want to get the lead early. It doesn't have to be a big lead, but you want the lead. Yeah, you want to play from in front. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Nagy, the new coach, is got he essentially brings the Philadelphia Eagles or or more specifically the Kansas City Chiefs offense. This is Andy Reid's disciple. Right. Mm -hmm. So the good news is the Bucks have seen that offense. Now, Philly's a little more advanced. Because they've been doing it longer, and they got a better right? quarterback. And they, yeah, and they got a better even quarterback. with Foles. Way even Foles is better than even Trubisky. Foles is, is is yeah. He can operate it much more at a higher level. I mean, he was MVP of the Super Bowl, um, but and I I look at the skill players. They do some interesting stuff though with these guys because they've got these sort of uh, you know fast guys everywhere like Tariq Cohen who mm-hmm. can line up as a wide receiver. He's really a running back. Um, they use a lot of um, you know sort of spread option and jet sweeps and and things like this to get your eyes moving all over the place. You know, Trey Burton is a former Eagles. You know, he's got it through the Philly Philly pass, um, you know, in the Super Bowl. He's their tight end, the kid from Florida who can do a lot of different things. Um, and, and then, the, you know, the wide receivers, they brought in Allen Robinson, who used to be with the Jaguars, who's a pretty good player. And uh, they got Taylor Gabriel. And Gabriel's another one of those guys, you know, that um, can can run a lot of jet sweeps and ends arounds and stuff like this. So, it's going to be it's going to be a track meet a little bit. You know, they have speed and you you don't want these guys to get in the open field if you if you're trying to tackle them one on one, it's a big problem. So, I, I think it's going to, you know, they're going to have to swarm to the ball. You don't want a repeat of what Conte had to deal with, you know, last week uh, where you get stiff armed and you're not bringing lots of hats to get these guys on the ground because they have explosive players. They have guys that if you get them in space, they can go the distance. So, they got to make life tough on Trubisky. We, I talked to Trubisky this week, and you know, you he he's very honest about it. He's like, look, 
you know, I'm in my second year, but to be honest with you, it's like starting over. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, when you bring – that's the thing. When you bring in a new offense to a young quarterback, you know, he's played a whole season. And, and you know, the way the progression goes is the first, the first year, you're trying to figure out what your guys are doing. You know, you got to be able to spit it out in the huddle. You got to be able to understand, you know, the route concepts and where everybody's going and what the protections are. And so once you do that, your head starts to come up and you can actually look at what the hell the defense is doing. Well, now, you know, he's doing more at the line of scrimmage. Uh, this is a quarterback sort of centric offense where you have to move the pieces of the board around to try to create those matchups. And so, you know, the clock's winding down. People don't realize just how stressful that position is play to play. You know what I mean? Forget about what the down and distance is. Just, you know, you've got, you know, just a few seconds, um, you know, to, to get guys lined up, to uh, to get the motions. There's a lot of motions in this offense because they try to use deception. So you've got to get guys lined up. You've got to get them in motion, you, you know, and everything's happening at a million miles an hour. So you can see him out there not being sure, you know, exactly where to go with the football. And that should be to the Bucks' advantage if they can, you know, if they can hem him in and get and get some rush going. Um, and, and mostly stop the run and, and force him to throw on third down. So interesting matchup. Um, I think – I don't believe I'm going to say this. Like the first two weeks I didn't pick the Bucks and they won. Last week I, I picked the Bucks to win and they lost. Uh, Bucks fans would probably prefer – They prefer you pick the Bears. That I pick the Bears. Why don't I pick the Bears then? Okay. Why don't I do that and make all the Bucks fans happy? There you I go. I haven't done my picks for the Tampa Bay Times, but I will pick the Bears in this one. Well, and the other just part of the other part of this of game, it's, it's not really a factor in the game. But you know, we talk about the quarter poll, and you'd rather be three and one than two and two. The other thing is, you'd rather yeah. go into a bye with a win. Oh yeah, that is so. Teams huge. do not That's like a getting point. a loss going into a bye. No, you have to you have to taste that for ten days. You know what I mean? It's or well, more than that, fourteen. 14. Yeah, fourteen days. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not getting back on a field for for a very very long time. So that is that is a great point. You know you. And that's the thing about the NFL. Like it is a, it is a. You know, they always say it's a week to week league. It really is. You will never. I mean, the the, the greatest um, lesson that I've learned in covering the NFL is that it's crisis or carnival in the NFL. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like baseball. Like I, I walked into baseball clubhouses. Of course, they play 162 games, so that's like one game is like 10 games in baseball, right? So you'll walk into a clubhouse and they'll get the snot beat out of them, right? And the music's playing, and guys are okay, and they're you know they're laughing, and you're like, well, what just you know you just got the hell beat out of you, like what? And they're like, dude, we play a hundred, we play tomorrow, you know, like we're we're back here in twelve hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can't wear it. It's a failure sport in football. Oh my God, if you lose, you feel like you are never gonna win again. You look at that schedule and go, well, that's gonna be a tough game. Oh man, then they got these guys. If you win. It's just the opposite. It's like, we can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we, We're Super Bowl bound. Schedule. We're Super Bowl bound. Yeah. You literally feel that way, though. Like, the team – and you can – it's palatable. It's like the teams can feel that, you know, when they're on a streak or they're winning, if you win a game, you feel like you can win them all. You just do. And then the reverse is true. So you're so right that if they were to lose at Chicago – and then, of course, losing, which is would be their second loss in a row, we would assume that maybe Fitzpatrick didn't play that well. Now you're looking at, okay, quarterback change, which is dramatic, right? Um, there's controversy that goes with that. There's a lot of press that goes with that, a lot of expectations. And, and the fan base, I think, is already divided, which probably has been reflected if you read any of my Twitter feeds. Um, and so, you know, now it's drama, right? And the one thing you don't want in the NFL is drama. 
You just don't want it. You can't can't have it. You got to be unified. So yeah, this is a this is a real big swing game because if they win the game, Steve and Fitzpatrick plays well, guess what? Three and one. I don't think you're making a change. Probably not. And, and again, depending and, on how he plays. Well, it depends on how he plays, and you know, it may depend on how Jameis practices too. I mean, we were talking about this, you know, before we started the podcast, and and we've talked about this for months now, but. There's a there's a, a an extra wrinkle in in the whole decision making of Fitzpatrick and Jameis in this is that you know Jason Light and Dirk Cutter are probably coaching and GM GMing for their jobs this year. I agree, and we've said that all along. I mean, you know, yeah. there was a good shot that Dirk Cutter wasn't coming back after last season, and he even called oh, it yeah, the move courageous. It. Yeah, he said it was to come back. Right. So, you know, if you had a if you had a coach and GM that was you know absolutely secure in their job. They may be more likely to go to Jameis quicker. Yep, because he's your franchise quarterback. He's the future. He's the guy. He's the That's guy right. you're going to be riding with for years to come. Right. And that, but in this in this scenario with Jason Light and Dirk Cutter, not 100 percent certain they're keeping their jobs next year. Now they're off to a good start, and so they right. probably don't want to mess with that. And so, no, nope. I don't want to say they're making the decision scared because I don't think that's accurate, but. Right. There is a, there's an extra layer to this decision that you know whichever way they're leaning and, and from all indications it will be Fitzpatrick this week and then yeah. we'll see after the bye. Right. And I kind of think that was um you know he cemented that after 2 weeks, you know, like when he when he was player of the week 2 weeks in a row and I mean, he's still the leading passer in the NFL right now. So hard to bench a guy who's been that productive. No one's ever thrown for 400 yards three straight weeks in the NFL history, which is phenomenal. Um but to your point there is there is a fear factor about putting Jameis in the game. I mean, and and it's not because you think he's rusty, although that that could certainly be a, a problem. Um, I, I think it's because the other guy's done so well that if you were to make the move now, and Jameis goes out there and has a bad game, or you lose, and he he isn't he doesn't play winning football, he does he turns the ball over, or he just doesn't make enough plays, then everybody's going to go, you idiots. You, you're absolutely moronic. Why would you make a change when a guy's thrown for 1,230 yards in three weeks and, you know, and to, go to, to go to a guy who's not been consistent in his whole career, hasn't won a lot of games um, just because, you know? And, and yet, you know, you're, so if you're going to, you know, they would never admit that, but that is, it's as much about the fear of what may happen and how you'd have to explain that <laughs> than it is about any conviction you have about either guy. You know what I mean? It's not like, yeah, man, Fitz, we're riding. It's Fitz magic all the way to the Super Bowl. No one's saying that at one buck place. They're really not. You know, they're saying, hey, this week we're riding the hot hand. We're riding the hot. We're riding the hot hand, and that's sort of what the locker room is going. Yeah, man, we're all yeah, we're all aboard. Let's you know, ride the hot hand. It's great to have Jameis back, but hey, we're trains moving on. But you know, it. it, But it's more about that than it is. I, I think the fear of, oh my goodness, what if? We put him in, and things go south and go south badly. And then, you know, and you don't have the excuse of, well, why didn't you wait until, you know, at least the bye week? Then he would have had three weeks of practice before you were to play him in Atlanta. Um, you know, and now they can say all those things, right? If, 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 if for some reason they lose in Chicago, now you can say, well, natural break of the season, first quarter over, you know, Fitz got us to two and two or whatever, um, you know, Jameis will be here practicing three weeks. He's ready to go. We're going back to our starter. And it, it's more acceptable. But, again, it's sort of like you want it both ways. You, you want to ride the hot streak and hope it continues. But then 
you're ready as soon as they lose to pounce on an opportunity to put your starter back in. So we'll see what they have, what happens with the Bears, and uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be one that's going to be evenly matched and uh, very competitive to the end. And um, uh, it's always good to be in Chicago. Looking forward to seeing the in-laws, seeing uh, the Cubs play the Cardinals, and uh, the Cubs clinched another playoff berth, as did the Milwaukee Brewers last night. So. Yes. Ago, yeah. So the Cubs still fighting though for the division. That's right. So they and don't want to. They don't want to play it on one game wild card. Right. I might see some champagne on Saturday. You never know. Well, I will probably see some champagne either way. But you know there what you I'm go. saying. Um, anyway, so we got lots of mailbag questions for you. Want to get to those as soon as we can. So let's start on our mailbag segment of the show. And we'll start with the Bucks, and we got lots of questions. We'll get to the quarterback here in a little bit, but let's sure. we'll do a couple other ones first. Bucks and Magic for Life ask, I think the Bucks defense is better with our linebackers playing off the ball in space. Why do we double blitz and take our strength away? I could see blitzing one linebacker, but not both. Yeah, well, the double A-gap, A-gap blitz is one that is used a lot uh, in the NFL. And, you know, the reason you do it, you, you, you actually walk those guys up quite a bit and, and then back off into coverage. And if, if you walk them both up there, then they don't know which one is going into coverage, right? You have the option. If you just walk one up, then he's either coming or, you know, but you know that you know there's a linebacker in a hole someplace. So they try to disguise things. They try to mix them up. Um, I think the play he's referring to, it might might be the one that, uh, you know, the tight end got loose and Conte missed the tackle. He had a lot of space to cover. In the middle of the field was open, and Roethlisberger saw it. He saw the blitz coming. Um, you got to time that up. You don't want to always give it away like that, you know, and let the line adjust and everybody just blocks down. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a hard thing to protect um, necessarily from an offensive line standpoint, but the ball's got to come out quick. And that's what Roethlisberger did. And it was way too much grass for Conte, who apparently was playing with a bad knee. And now, of course, he's on IR as a result of it. And then he had the, the terrible stiff arm. But um, you know, they try to mix those things up. I mean, they have blitz one linebacker, drop the other one, blitz them both. It, it's just a standard. It's just a standard look uh, on third down sometimes. And Mike Smith thinks that he thinks that those linebackers can get there. If you don't get home, obviously it didn't work. You know, uh, Levante's been better at it than Quan, but Quan had one this year that was really, really good. I think against Nick Foles. So, um, you know, again, you, know, you hope to never have to blitz. You want to get consistent pressure with your front four and then that way you can you know just drop seven guys into coverage every play uh, but as you've seen you know the Bucks haven't been consistent with their pass rush so that's when they have to dial up some pressure all right we'll stay on the defensive end and Anthony asked why won't the Bucks try to acquire Earl Thomas they always sign these scrub players when starters go on IR well first of all I don't know that they haven't tried okay I mean this is the thing about football in in uh, in the National Football League there are calls that happen 24-7. And, you know, while it's not fantasy football, you know, I mean, there's there's a couple things about trades in the NFL. Um, they're hard to do sometimes. But, you know, teams aren't giving away good players. Earl Thomas is a Pro Bowl player, right? Um, but Earl Thomas probably wants to secure his future. I don't know what his contract situation is. But you're talking about compensation, draft pick compensation. And then you're looking at your roster, and you're saying to yourself, well, we drafted a guy in the second round or the fourth round, Jordan Whitehead, who we really, really like. And we love Justin Evans. I mean, we think Justin Evans is a Pro Bowl talent. So, you know, is this the year we go to the Super Bowl? Is, is Earl Thomas going to put us over the top? 
Uh, or are we more committed to developing a young player like Jordan Whitehead who's playing good ball right now um, and giving him the opportunity to play and get better and develop and we can win, uh, we can have winning football games with him uh, back there, even though he's not an Earl Thomas. And, you know, you have schemes. You have, you know, is this guy a box player? Is he somebody that's going to play down in the box? Or is he is he more my center fielder type, which Evans is? Um, there's all kinds of reasons why, you know, teams don't make deals. But we, the, the bottom line is we don't know what conversations there are. And the biggest thing is he hasn't been traded to anybody. Look, the whole NFC South needs a safety right now. Every team is without a starting safety. In the case of the Atlanta Falcons, they've lost both starting safeties. So, you know, until you see him traded, you could say that about 31 other teams in the league. Why haven't any? Why hasn't anybody traded for Earl Thomas? Um, you know, if it's one player and there's a big market, that means they're asking for a ton in terms of draft picks. You know, you want to give up a number two? Do you want to give up a, a, a two and something else? Um, so, and then, and then if there's a contract situation, I'm not familiar with Thomas, you know, you have, you have two compensations, what you're going to give the club for the trade and then what you're going to give the player. And, and, and that gets into salary cap stuff and you value certain positions based on, you know, where they are. Typically the further a player is away from the ball, the less money he makes. Right. Um, so you, you've already got guys you got to pay on this team. You got to pay Quan Alexander this year. You probably got to pay Donovan Smith sometime this year. You want to pay Ali Marpet sometime this year. So you'd rather lock up your own free agents than go out and spend a ton of money on a guy, you know, that you don't know how he necessarily is going to fit in your locker room. Um, you know, th- there's just a lot of a lot of questions about that. And I think Earl Thomas will end up being traded. I do because um, he's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. But um, don't don't just assume that the Bucks haven't kicked the tires on any deal because they kicked the tires on all those deals. Douglas asks, Brent Grimes, rust or beginning of the end? He didn't play a lot in the preseason, but when he did, it wasn't good. You know, we won't know for a few weeks. It's a great question. I mean, at some point, you know, Father Time wins all battles, right? And and yet, the first thing everybody says about Brent Grimes, and, and Mike Smith's been around him longer than anybody, is that he is not your typical 35-year-old football player. Um, he's freakishly athletic. If you look at him, he's youthful. I mean, if you just saw him on the street, you'd say the guy was probably about 27. Um, it's hard to explain why certain guys age faster than others, and, and certain guys like Deshaun Jackson, that you know, after 11 seasons, can still run a sub four four forty. You know, it's just you don't you don't you can't explain that. But um, certainly genetically, he's blessed. I will say this: um, it doesn't help a player to not play, right? He he was kind of had a spotty training camp and. Of course, nobody plays after the third preseason game. He missed the two first regular season games. There is a preseason speed. There is a regular season speed. And I thought he looked like a guy who was rusty, you know, when I watched him play the other night. I just didn't think he was very sharp. You know, he mis- misjudged a, a, a jump. He, you know, kind of leaped too soon on one pass. Um, I would expect him, you know, the biggest the biggest improvement is between your first and second game, once you've been out there on the grass one time and played a full game, now, the second game, you're a little bit more into the rhythm of things. I had, uh, I think it was Derek Brooks or somebody told me a long time ago, with players who are old, when I mean old, like over 30 years old, the toughest month for them is the is September um, to start with. They, you know, you don't really have your legs under you. It takes a while. You know, I, I've seen this with Vincent Jackson and other players that have played a long time. You, they don't get off to great starts sometimes. Then you kind of hit your stride, you know, for October, November, 
And then once you get to December, look out because you're out of gas. <laughs> so <laughs> that's sort of how it goes with older players. The other thing is that I've always said is don't expect a guy who has missed games and is getting older to play more games and play better. That rarely happens. They, you know, Usually there's a, a definite trend down in, in, in production uh, and then a trend up in missed games. So we've already, you know, if you're Grimes, you've already missed two games already this season. He missed games last year. Um, you know, you hope that uh, for his sake and the Bucks that that doesn't continue to be a pattern. Um, but, you know, look, they brought him back on a one-year deal. It's not like they're saying he's our corner for the next 10 years, right? They're trying to get one more season out of him until MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis, who's starting already, can be their, can be their corners. They drafted those two guys in the second round. Now, Vernon Hargraves would be one of those guys, except he's on IR. So, you know, they, they just didn't expect these young guys to have to play. So it's good that Grimes is out there. they got some experience. He's obviously way more experienced than anybody else in the secondary. But I would think he'd be better this week than he was last week. All right, we'll move to the offensive side of the ball. And Ellis asks, will the Bucks benefit from facing a 3-4 defense for the second week in a row, or will the protection issues persist? More importantly, when does it get bad enough to pull Fitz and play Jameis? Well, they should benefit from it. Now, the downside is is that they put that on tape. And what I mean by that is you never want to have bad bad tape because people see your weaknesses, right? So they're going to try to exploit them. This is a copycat league. Now, you know what mistakes you made, so it's good that you're, you know, you can correct those and you have an opportunity to go out against the same scheme this week while it's fresh in your mind uh, and, and play against it. But the 3-4... I've always said this that if you're a, if you're a team who who traditionally plays a lot of four three teams or your defense that you see all OTAs and you know through training camp as a four three team, it's just different, right? You just have different rules. You don't know where the pressure's coming from. You have to communicate better, and communication on the road is a lot worse actually than it was on Monday night at home. So uh, they could still struggle. Look, and this is a really good defense too. So a lot of people say it's not the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Well, they've got some really good Jimmy's and Joe's, uh, Khalil Mack being the first Khalil that they have. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. I can't really tell you. I think it will help that they that they played a 3-4 last week, but I also think that, you know, that the Bears kind of got the answers to the test from, you know, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's see if they can adjust. Let's see if the Bucks can do a better job. They're going to have to because – as we talked about it before, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to stay in the pocket. He needs to be clean. You don't want to get him hit 13 times. No quarterback likes it, especially 35-year-old guys that don't run very well outside the pocket. So um, I, I think that uh, I, I think they'll be better, but I also think that this is a much better defense than what they faced in Pittsburgh. All right, Les asks, since Rojo probably won't dress again on Sunday, would you say this is more on the Bucks for drafting a player who doesn't fit what they need or on Ronald Jones for not doing what it takes to get on the field? Can't believe we can't use him. Our run game needs help. I agree, and I wrote a, uh, I wrote a story about this. It, it, it really doesn't make sense to me at this point. Um, you know, look, they had injuries beginning of the season, and you can only dress 46 guys, and, you know, it, there's a trust factor at that position. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The hardest thing to do, we've mentioned when you come out of college, is, is learn pass protection not only the technique of it, right, because you're blocking larger guys with a full head of steam, but also, you know, identifying where where your man is, you know, where the pressure's coming from, who you're responsible for. And so Ronald Jones, like a lot of rookies, struggled with that. He was not used in the passing game at USC very much. He only caught 32 passes in his career there. Um, when they would throw him stuff, it wasn't like he was running routes, option routes and the like, wasn't picking up a lot of blitzes and things. So that's a problem, right? And they had Peyton Barber, who they trust. Jacquez Rogers has been with Dirk Cutter for six years, you know, going back to Atlanta, who they really trust. And then the, the other running back was Sean Wilson. Now I'm anxious to see if Sean Wilson's going to be up this week because he had a bad day returning kicks. And his primary job is kickoff return guy. And if you're not going to be successful at it, there's a lot of guys that you can put back there, um, including Ronald Jones, I would imagine. So, but Ronald Jones isn't playing special teams. Now, having said all that, I put this on the Bucks because one of two things has happened here. Either he was overdrafted, okay, and what I mean by that is you don't use a second-round pick on a guy that can't get a helmet. And not just not get a helmet, but can't be on the field on a team that is last. Let me repeat that. That is last in yards per carry at three yards a carry. If Ronald Jones can't help your running game, the worst running game in the NFL, then why is he drafted in the second round? And and if it's and if he's not ready to play, if it's on him, and they've said, not for his worth ethic, not that he doesn't know what he's doing, all those things. Okay, so if it's not on him and he's not ready to play, that's on your coaching staff, in my opinion, because they have not developed him, Tim Spencer or whoever it is, fast enough, or the or or the play caller, Todd Munkin, to know how to use him in the offense. Look, not every guy has to play on passing downs. And, you know, and I mean, you can't just run a guy in there and when he's in the game, you know, you know it's a tell that they're not going to throw the ball. I mean, you can't do that. But you can devise plays for the guy. You know, you, you, you can put him in there and say, we are throwing the ball to Ronald Jones or we are going to get the ball on this play to Ronald Jones. We're going to let him run the ball here on first down. It's okay. You can do that. You know, um, and and it's on them to find a way to utilize this guy's talent. Otherwise, you way overdrafted this guy because if, if this were a good team with plenty of good running backs and you were leading the NFL, if you were the Los Angeles Rams, for example, and you were averaging five yards a carry and you had Todd Gurley, no one's crying that Ronald Jones isn't on the field, even if you took him in the second round. But the fact that you're last in the NFL – and you took a running back at, at, in the second round, and it was one of your identified needs, which is why you drafted him so high, and he can't get on the field, there is something wrong. And I don't know, and I would, in fact, I think it's wrong to blame the player. I really do, because he's a 21, 22-year-old guy, and everything he knows about the NFL is what the Bucks have taught him, okay? So, you know, He's got talent. I mean, obviously, he's got all the physical abilities and tools that you liked on film. So, to me, it's on the Bucks. Either way, this is and yes, 
He needs to play in this game, in my opinion, because they've got to run the football in this game. They're not going to be able to drop back and throw it 50 times. If they throw it 50 times this week, they'll lose again, and it'll be more by more than three points. All right, now we'll go to everyone's favorite topic. So Thad asks, all signs point to fit starting against the Bears. Probably the right, safe decision. But boy, wouldn't it be a gutsy move if Cutter and Jason Light to throw a 12-6 curveball and start Winston on Sunday? It would be, and there's a part of me that that wonders if I'm right. I mean, not very much of it because I've kind of you know done my homework on this, but that would get the attention of a lot of people, especially the Chicago Bears. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would. Be, you know, what we'd be bold about is like we talked about. It would be the ultimate confidence vote in the quarterback, right? It would be like imagine what that would do for Jameis Winston. You know, I mean. You've been out three weeks. You worked your butt off. We talked about the 25 guys he got from Fort Lauderdale, Lakeland, Tampa, all over the place to go out there and have daily practices for 21 days, you know, meetings, uh, walkthroughs, workouts, coaches, you know, catered meals, all those things. He kept himself as sharp as he could possibly do to replicate what the Bucks were doing. And if the Bucks were to say, hey, Jameis, you're our guy. Welcome back. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go right now. You know, that would open the eyes to a lot of players. That would open the eyes to the fan base. And everybody would be like, hey, get on board or not. But that's who we're riding. You know what I mean? That would be the ultimate confidence vote. He's not going to get it this week. I just don't think he's going to get it this week. Um, But it would be something. I agree. And I'll be the first one to stand up and go, whoa, didn't see that coming. Nice play. Good reason to not tell us who's starting. Because I guarantee you the Bears didn't see it either. All right, David asks, before Monday Night Football, I was thinking Go Bucks should take notes from the Rays and use Fitz as the opener and then bring in Jameis Winston. I know it was only preseason, but it worked well. Might limit those overexcited Jameis Winston mistakes at the start of games. Your thoughts? Um, doesn't work in football. And the reason it doesn't work in football is that, you know, there's so little practice time. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you you know, your heavy install days are Wednesday and Thursday. Friday, you do very little. It's uh, it's more like red zone and two minute um, stuff. And you're you're in shells. You know, you're not you're not hitting or in pads. It's not heavy work days. But your heavy your heavy install days are Wednesday and Thursday. People don't realize this, but the backup quarterback during the regular season takes zero reps for the most part. I mean, you know. Ryan Fitzpatrick last year when Jameis was starting probably never threw a ball. You know, your third quarterback now, no, let me let me let me correct that because Ryan Griffin got hurt early in the year and until he came back, he did get some throws. And in fact, this is this is one of the reasons why they felt comfortable not bringing in another quarterback because they felt like Fitz felt that he would be sharper if he at least ran the scout squad. You're not running your offense, you're sort of imitating the quarterback of the opposing team. But you're still working on your craft. You're still throwing the ball. You're still trying to hit open receivers and timing and all that stuff. So you you feel like you're sharper. But this this week with Ryan Griffin going to be on the on the roster. I don't know if he'll be active on Sunday, but his job will probably be to be the scout team quarterback. And Jameis may not get that many reps. But the backup quarterback does not practice during the week because you you built your game plan around your starter. Now it is the Bucks offense, right? But but you want to have synergy with your starter. They, they, a lot of teams like the Bucks and others script the first 15 plays. You know, you go down the sheet, that laminated sheet you see on the sidelines, it's also upstairs. 
It's got every down and distance, every situation, okay? Against this defense, what do we like? We like this. They ask the quarterback, what do you like here? What throw do you like there? You know, it's a little like a pitcher on the mound. You know, he can shake the catcher off, but the signal is a suggestion. It's not a command, right? The pitcher is a guy that has to feel confident in throwing that ball. Am I going to throw the slider here? Am I going to go throw the changeup here? If he's not confident, he's going to shake you off and tell you what he wants to throw. So it's similar to that with quarterbacks in that you want to match up what they like to throw in certain situations to the play sheet. And so it's difficult to have you know two game plans, even though it's the same offense, they're totally different quarterbacks. I mean, you can look at them and say, hey, these guys don't approach the game the same way. So I, I, that wouldn't, the opener situation I don't think would work um, in, in pro football. All right, uh, Isaiah asked, what secures Jason Light and Dirk Cutter's long-term future with contract extension? Winning with Fitz, winning with Winston, or just winning? I love this question. I saw it online. Um, you know what? I think it's winning. I, I, I think it's down to winning. Look, when you're, when you're you know, a team like the Bucs that haven't made the playoffs you know, in, in, since 2007, something like that, um, and Jason Light, who has finished last – last in the NFC South three of the last four years, you've got to win. I mean, it doesn't matter how you win. I mean, no one, no one at the end of the year goes, yeah, but, you know, uh, they won all those, those games early with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, you know, I'm not sold on the coaching staff. In many ways, you could give more credit to the GM for re-signing Ryan Fitzpatrick and the coach for utilizing his backup quarterback and adapting the offense to him and winning with a backup quarterback than winning with Jameis Winston. So um, I think that just winning is the common denominator. As as John Madden said, winning is the best deodorant. He didn't say winning with your starting quarterback is the best deodorant. It's just winning. You know, no one even remembers what the score is at the end of the year. They don't. When the Bucs won the Super Bowl, their offense was wretched for the most of the year. It just was. It wasn't good, you know. I mean, at late in the year, they were, like, beating the Bears with four or five field goals, you know. Um, but then they got hot in the in the um, the postseason. You know they had that that game against you know San Francisco 49ers. I think they scored like 31. Um, you know that sort of thing. So, but no one remembers. You know, I remember that Bucks Super Bowl year. They're like, oh yeah, they were really really good. And and they had Keenan McCardell and Keyshawn Johnson and you know Mike Allstott and War. You know, not work done, but uh, Michael Pittman and you know Ken Dilger and all these guys. Nah, Brad Johnson was okay. He had a good year, but he was okay. You know what I mean? It was the defense that was phenomenal, which everybody knows, but they don't they don't remember. So winning, winning, and winning. That's how you keep your job in the National Football League. All right, we'll switch it to the Rays now. And less ass. So Kevin Kiermeyer finishes 2018 batting 218 and he's hurt again as he broke his foot on Wednesday night after getting hit by a pitch, a hairline fracture. Uh, Les says, I'm very excited about 2019. But can the Rays count on Kiermaier to not only play more than 145 games, but can they count on him to bat north of 260? War doesn't matter if you're on the DL. I don't think they can count on him to play more than 100. No, he's he's not approached that yet. I mean, unfortunately, this is this is you know the first thing that that would go on Kiermaier's Wikipedia page if he quit today is that he was the oft injured platinum glove center fielder. I mean, yeah, 2015 you know, he played 151 games. Outside right. that, he hasn't played more than 108. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you're playing two-thirds of the season. That, that's a lot of games missed. And 
again, I, I have trouble blaming players for, for being injured. I In football, I think it's the same thing. It's like everybody gets mad at guys because he's hurt. Oh, he's always hurt. He's a bust. Well, you know, football is that sport, though, that, that is an injury sport. It's attrition, right? It's like NASCAR. If you're the, you know, if you're getting a wreck, you're not going to win many races, so you got to make it to the finish line. Um, that's that's true in football. For whatever reason, and I think it's his style of play early in his career in, in particular, um, Kiermaier just has has gotten hurt and and if you look and see how he's gotten hurt you know diving for balls in center field messes up his wrist uh sliding into second base uh head first jams his thumb um you know there's been you know certain plays like that got hurt sliding into first, first one base time, yeah. i think which you should never first. do and he did yeah which was just a bad decision so his style running into walls you know i mean his style of play it will, will unlike most baseball plays will put you on the disabled list because that's kind of who he is, especially on defense and, and on the base pass. Um, I don't know that he's ever going to be really a 260 or 270 hitter, and I'm not – I used to worry about batting average. I, I don't even know that that's the thing anymore. You know, with Kiermaier, you'd like to see him have a big on-base percentage, and that's something that he has not had. Well, he's a 254 career hitter and a 313 on-base percentage for his career. Yeah, which needs to be much higher, you mm-hmm. know, because you can't utilize his speed on the bases unless he gets on. He strikes out way too much. Um, Kiermaier's an interesting guy. I mean, it's like, you know, if you if you check the war, uh, you know, wins against replacement, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge because he will absolutely erase runs. You know, he, he will – you know, he will stop more than he might drive in at times, but um, he's never really found his game on offense. And I always, I, I, I don't like his approach at the plate. Me either. He's not a power hitter. He can, he can run into him. He can hit some. Oh yeah. But he's swinging for the fences when he should be hitting it to the gap. And then he's hitting it to the gap when he should be swinging for the fences. It seems like he does. And, and this, the last two seasons, and granted he played less than a hundred games in both seasons, but he struck out more than the amount of games he played. So this year, 88 games, and he struck out 91 times. And mm, Kevin Kiermaier, with his speed, should not be striking out. He needs to put nope. the ball in play. If if Jesus no. Sucre strikes out every time he doesn't get a hit, you're okay with it. Cause you're he, good with that. He puts the ball in play, he's, you know, unless it's going to fall double somewhere. double play. You know, he's not, yeah, not going to make it to first base. But Kevin Kiermaier's speed, he needs to be slapping the ball more and hitting it to the gaps, what Malik Smith has done this year. And Malik Smith's done that very say, well this year. If, you, if he had Malik Smith's approach – and I think Malik's is an exceptional hitter, by the way. I think his hand-eye coordination is just unique. Um, but if he had Malik's approach, he'd be a perennial all-star. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's exactly what you want him to do. Up the middle and the other way, put the ball on the ground um, and run like hell to first, you know? But but he's caught in between. He's always been caught in between. Here's what I don't know. This is who he is, I think, now, Steve. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that he – you can't – it's really hard to adjust at this point. He's done this yep. pro- probably his whole life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I think I think some of this year's struggles was I think he came back before he his thumb was he ready. was hurt. Yeah, yeah I mean, agree. you know, his, he, when he struggled coming off the disabled list, I don't think he was one hundred percent at all. He wasn't swinging the bat like he had this this funky finish to his swing, and it might be because of the wrist um, that he hurt because or the thumb or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know this, and this is my limited time playing baseball. I made it all the way to Division One college, whatever that's worth, but. Um, when you hurt your hands or your wrist, look, I'm telling you, <laughs> it messes up your swing. If you can't grip the bat and if you can't use your hands, you know, to get through the ball, 
especially at the major. I can't imagine what it's like at the major league level. And those guys are just throwing wicked stuff at, you know, the sliders are 95 miles an hour, for God's sakes. Um, I, I just don't think – I just don't think you have – you just can't be confident. I mean, I, I tore my hand up one time towards the end of my career. It was stupid. I was tripped around first base, spiked myself somehow, and, and lacerated a finger. It was nothing. I'm telling you that for the rest of the series, I just – I made contact. I couldn't – I couldn't get my swing through the ball hard, you know, because I just didn't have that backhand that I could really – whip around because it hurt (laughs) hurt to grip the bat and it was one of my middle fingers so it just I think that affected him I think he his finish was weird I think he was sort of pulling off the ball trying to use more hips you know to get through it instead of using his hands and it just didn't look like the same swing um so let's see what he can do when he's healthy um I would agree with you you know his desire to play them hey we need you big guy can you go probably affected him a little bit so I'm willing to give him a pass but his first goal should be to play 150 games. That should be – if his goal was to play, and I know it is, but if he were able to play 150 games, I think you'd see a guy that could be an all-star. Absolutely. And Thad asked, should the Rays consider giving Tommy Pham, who's a bit of a late bloomer, a three-year guaranteed deal of $40 million? Well, I don't know about the numbers, but if you can lock up Tommy Pham, I'd do it today. I'm well, a big fan. You're definitely fam. not going to give him a three-year deal of $40 million because he's just entering his first arbitration-eligible year next year. So you've right, got so three no years of control. Right. There's so no need for it. you're going to wait at least a year before you may do one of those sure. deals. Because sure. the, the goal of, of those kind of deals early is to buy out free agent years. And so That's he's not going to be a free agent until 2022, three seasons from now. So. He is a bit of a late bloomer, and, and maybe after a year or two, you're going to consider doing that to extend it into his free agency year. But you've got yeah. time on him because you control him for the next three years through arbitration. Right, and that's and it's a business, and they'll do exactly what you just said, Steve, but I'm a big fan of Pham. I, I love the way he plays. He plays angry. You don't see many guys in baseball mm-hmm. do that, you know what I mean? Yep. Even when he's happy, he doesn't smile. The amazing he's my th- kind of guy. Yeah, the amazing thing for the Rays is they have one player under contract for next year. Of, that they already know the salary, and that's Kevin Kiermaier. Everybody else is either under team control or arbitration. Or arbitration. And they'll go to arbitration. Yeah. I mean, it's not that you they have one player. Not that every they... player's gone, but they are such a young team that right. every player is still in their either team control years control. or arbitration eligible. Right. They have a couple Which free means agents. There's like, nobody. Yeah. There's nobody they will lose because of a salary right. spike. Carlos basically. Gomez, Sergio Romo are free agents. Yeah. Uh, and you but, don't care if you lose them. Yeah, but beyond well, and, and you may bring them back. I don't think Gomez comes back, but you might bring Romo back. Maybe Romo, yeah. Yeah. Alejandro asks, what do the Rays need to do in the offseason to continue their progress? Well, I mean, <laughs> get guys healthy. You know, I, I think I think the starting pitching, you could say maybe a catcher, you know, I mean, um, you know, they got some prospects obviously, but it, you know, it'd be nice to have the guy. They could use another um, right handed bat. Yeah, that too. And maybe yeah. it's a catcher. Right. Well, that'd be perfect if you could mesh yeah. those two together. But but really, to me, Steve, I mean, you know, you'd like to have four Blake Snells. That's probably too much to ask. But Sure. Um, but it would be nice to get some of those guys healthy. It'd be good to have – the opener thing, I think, is brilliant, and I think it was born of necessity, and you could certainly continue that, and a lot of small market teams will, and maybe the Rays will. But in a perfect world, you'd have at least three guys that you could give the mm-hmm. ball to every four days. Well, and, and days. look, you know, by 2020, you've got Brent Honeywell, Jose De Leon, and Anthony Bonda coming back from Tommy John. Some of them may right. play late in 2019, but in, in reality, 20, those, in reality, 2020, yeah. they'll be back. I mean, yeah, we know from when you come back from Tommy John, you're not yourself for the first couple months Year. for sure. Yeah, so 
you know, they may pitch late in the season, but they're not going to be who they are. So right. come 2020, you've got some more starters that you had penciled in to be a part of 2018 and a big part of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be back. So, you know, that's going to be part of, of the pitching problem. But, you know, I think, you know, with their salary situation, they can sign some free agents next year. I think you're looking at a, a, mid, closer a, mid, a closer good, and, and a mid-level starter, you know, number yeah. three starter that, you know, you can get yep. for a year or two at, at, a, at a good rate um, just to yep. eat, eat some innings and not have to do the opener three, four days a week. Maybe you're doing it two days a week instead. Right. Um, you, you know, because, you, you know, Blake Snell is obviously your ace. Sure. Um, and, you know, and maybe by this point next year, you're showing a little more confidence and maybe you slide Yarborough into a starting role or well, you know, instead, instead yeah. of being, you know, or Jalen Beeks. Maybe, um, maybe. And I can't get him to pitch the last two innings, but maybe Stanek finds a way to be a closer. Yeah. Well, Stanek or, or you know, Diego Castillo or Jose Alvarado Castillo or, or Alvarado. Yeah. Um, you know, they've all got the stuff. I mean, I think long term, those, you know, those are probably some of your closer candidates. Right. Um, but you know, I think, you know, for next season specifically, I think you're looking for a veteran closer because, you know, you have to go into 2019 thinking you're competing for playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, you're at 88 you're win wins with games four, this year. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you know, you're going to, you're going to be close to 90 games by the end of the season, Look, if not reaching it, that. The Red Sox and the Yankees just kind of ran away with this early and the Red Sox are having an historic year, right? Let's not forget that the, the Red Sox have been mm-hmm. playing baseball for a minute. This might be the most wins they ever have. Okay. As in ever. So. You know, ninety wins next year might win the the national the American League East. I mean, eighty eighty five la- wins last year in the American League got you in the playoffs. Right. So I mean, your target is to say, hey, let's let's win ninety and see if we can go push it higher. Um, but you, yeah, you go into the season saying we're we're definitely contending this year. We just got to avoid that you know cataclysmic start, so we don't dig a hole so fast. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, what happened was they just they ran away. You know, I mean, while you were, while you were going three and twelve or whatever it was, um, you know, they were going twelve and three. You know, so it, it just buried you early, and they never stopped. I mean, they have a, look, the Red Sox are going to be great again. The Yankees are going to be great again. The Orioles aren't going to win, lose the most games they've ever lost in their history. Um, you know, and you got to believe Toronto will be better. So, in fact, you need those teams to be better because if they're better, then they might provide some competition for the Red Sox and the Yankees mm-hmm. once in a while. Yep. You know? So, yeah, I, I definitely think that they should consider themselves contenders. Absolutely. All right. We'll finish on this note. Eric asked, what has been a bigger factor in Florida's big three college football teams, lack of sustained top 25 presence, poor coaching hires, or emergence of USF, UCF, and maybe even FAU recruiting talent that otherwise would be at Florida, Florida State, or Miami? It's a great question. I think there is probably some um, something to that. You know, you you have more options for players now, and, and UCF has certainly um, gotten their share of guys that um, uh, that could probably play it at those other schools. Although, you know, I mean, typically, I don't I don't know that that people are still choosing Florida Atlantic and UCF or even USF over Florida. We've seen people transfer from Florida to those schools, etc. Um, I think it's coaching. To be honest with you. You know, they, you know, Florida State had it rolling when, you know, when, when they were all engaged and they had continuity of coaching staff. Um, you know, Florida now has had several coaches. That, and it doesn't matter what level you're talking about, but particularly at the college level, because, 
you know, I signed to play with a certain coach as much as I do the school, even though that's a mistake these days because coaches leave all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you will must champ, you know, um, and, and, you know, I mean, it just keeps rolling Well, I, th- I think over, the Will, right? we talked about this before, the Will Muschamp hire was a bad hire for Florida. Right, not that he's back. Not that he's a bad coach, but Florida is a school that's all about offense. Right. And they hired a defensive coach that couldn't figure out an offense to save his life. He didn't know anybody who knew offense. They went against. The they went against the school and what the school is, and mm-hmm. and and that hurts in your fan base. It hurts the boosters. It hurts the whole right. program. Is sometimes right. you just got to admit who you are and be that. Right. Right. And, and so maybe you you can't. Maybe you think Will Muschamp's a great coach and he's done fine at right. South Carolina, but right. for Florida he was a bad fit. I think Miami's had Jim a lot McElwain, of bad coaches over Jim time. McElwain yeah. came in and he was supposed to be an offensive guy, but he. Couldn't get them going on offense. Yeah, that was just a whiff. To. That was the. That, I think the yeah. Muschamp was a bad hire. I think McElwain just whiffed. I think it just right it, it, for whatever reason he could not find his quarterback and it didn't work out. Right. Uh, you, and now you got you know. Mullen, who is from the Spurrier tree, that knows what it looks like, knows what it's supposed to feel like, and they got a chance. Although they're stuck on the M's. What is it with these M coaches at the University of Florida? Now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that they they found their. Well, it was Urban Meyer before that. So, <laughs> well, Jesus, right. <laughs> It just just dawned on me. Like we went from Meyer to uh, Muschamp to McElwain and now Mullen. Mmm, um, that's crazy. That is nuts. That is that is cuckoo. So, but but I I think I think any at any level whether we're talking about Jimbo Fisher leaving Florida State, you know, especially in I mean guys recruit their guys and most of the time you come in and you see what you got. You can't change it all right away, but you go. A lot of times you look at a guy and you go, hey, we're not, you know, we'll honor your scholarship, but we're, we're moving on from you. And the guy has to transfer. I mean, it's tough, man. It's, it's a college game is you only have them for four years, right? I mean, look what's happening at Clemson. They make a change of quarterback. The guy's got one year left of eligibility. He's like, I'm out of here. You know, you're seeing that too. Continuity of quarterbacks and continuity of coaches. You know, if you can marry those two somehow, you know, look what Nick Saban has been able to do. I mean, somehow Jalen Hurts is still there as we talk today. He might be leaving tomorrow. Um, but, you know, you, you, you want to have sort of that marriage between coach and quarterback. You only got him for four years at best at that. So um, I, I just think I think there's been a lot of turnover, you know, and, and that's that's probably why you're seeing some some of these programs being being up and down. Miami's had it too, you know, with Mark Richt coming mm-hmm. in there. I think they finally got a, a good one in Mark Richt who – you know, seems to have the program trending back in the right direction. I, I think mean, they're so. consistently yeah, in the I top twenty-five. So. They're competing. Yeah, you know, for the ACC every year. Um, I, you Colleges know, I, I, is all about coaches, right? I mean, it's all about coaches. Oh, it absolutely is, and in your assistants too. I mean, a lot of times, what happens right. is a college coach starts doing well, then they start losing their assistants because they do well, yep. and that's when you start seeing a fall off. Um, you know, I think Florida and Miami are trending in the right direction. Florida State, we'll see with Willie Taggart. Right. Exactly. Right. I think he could. I think he could be a good hire, but I, I'm not convinced he absolutely is yet. No, I'm not either. I think it's it was a meteoric rise. I don't know that he's ready for the size of of, of that program. You know, to to be just one year at Oregon. Um, but again, you know, he hasn't had a chance to bring all his players mm-hmm. in. I think you got to give him at least three years. Absolutely. See see what his system is. See what you know he can get players to fit what he wants to do on offense and defense, and then and then you'll know. Um, you know. We all know that Jimbo did not do a very good job. He had his eyes on on uh, Texas A&M, and, um, you know, everybody that was there said he kind of shut it down in, in recruiting as well. So 
Um, Willie can recruit. He did it at USF. He'll do it at Florida State, and we've got to give him a chance to uh, to see if he can do that. So, anyway, thanks for your questions. They're always great, and uh, you don't have to wait for our mailbag segment. You can send us questions anytime uh, at Sports Day TB, or you can send them to me at FL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay dot com big football weekend of course uh, we got the college games florida going back uh, with dan mullen to mississippi state florida state at louisville that'll be a good one uh ucf is hosting Pitt, and that's you know power yeah. five conference obviously but yeah. usf's they, on the bye so and usf does not play so you, you know your bulls fans can can take a a, a little chill there and yeah. uh, we had a request maybe to have matt baker maybe to have joey knight next week we'll try to get that done for you Certainly, the Bucks will be at the quarter pole, so we'll kind of yep. evaluate them. The Rays season ends this weekend, Steve. Yeah, last home it? series against Toronto, three against Toronto, and John Gibbons' last games as Toronto manager, as it was announced, right. he is, uh, will That's not right. return next season. So, yeah, and we'll see. If you know, the, we, we, the were talking, we were talking. We were talking about 90. this at the Trop on Wednesday night. That it's too bad, you know, Gibbons doesn't finish at home. Because if I if I was the home if if I was at home and and you're telling me I'm not back at the end of the season I'm getting thrown out in the first inning and heading out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do but, they still but, find but, you though? But I if mean, you do it, if I you don't do want to write a check for no. Lou. I think well, it's ten thousand dollars. Yeah, but but if you get thrown out in Tampa, then you got to wait around for the charter. Oh, that's true. I mean, but if you were if you were playing your last game at home, that's true. You just head out. right? Yeah, you head out. What are you gonna do? Fire me. <laughs> That's true. I always thought it was like, why, why, why would you tell a guy he's not back and then and then have him manage anything, right? Like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, by the end of the, the season, and John Gibbons has been there a, a long time, and he's a good guy, and, you know, yeah. a lot of that comes down to do you trust the guy? Right, right, right. You know, and it, 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 could, it, could, yeah. it could be mutual for all we know, too. I mean, he's not coming back. Yeah. It doesn't mean he didn't say, hey, I, you know. No, no, that's true. It's one series. We're not talking about, yeah. you know, a month here. We're just talking yep. about – you know, the, the final series. But yeah. but the Rays, on their quest to win 90, which would just be a great accomplishment if they can get to that number, I think and, it's fantastic. So we'll have all that. And the Lightning wrap uh, up preseason on Saturday night at Florida. Okay. And then we're a week from the opener next Saturday. God, man, this is my favorite time of year. you got playoff baseball looming just around the corner. You've got, you know, the NFL now, you know, a uh, quarter of the way through the season. You start to, start to weed out the teams that are going to be in it uh, to win it. And then – um, you know, we'll know more about the Bucks. I, this is a big swing game for them at Chicago. I just think that we're going to know more about them, going to know more about Ryan Fitzpatrick and just what they'll do with Jameis Winston. So this game at Soldier Field is a big one, man. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'll tell you what, man, Soldier Field in Chicago, what gets better than that, man. So uh, we'll have all that for you on Monday. Make sure you join us. We're here Monday through Friday every week. We thank you guys for uh, – for your patronage, and make sure you go see my friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Remember, uh, for our listeners only, if you tell them you listen to Sports Day Tampa Bay, you come in there, guess what you're going to get? 20% off. And that's 20% off, by the way, of the lowest prices you're going to find anywhere. You're not going to find these prices in a shopping mall where they get the big overheads. And you want to see Andy because he's going to make diamond buying easy for you. You won't believe how good he is. So make sure you go see our friends Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstink. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.